uh, you can go to the grocery store and buy that stuff now. Yep. Oh, what a world. I know. What a time to be alive. Get your get your biscotti at your lo- local grocer. <laughs> who says who says grocer anymore? I think I need to get my spit screen and put it on so I look cool like you guys. Well, you're gonna need more than that, buddy. <laughs> I was gonna make a different joke, but Corey mm. slammed on you. So, mm. hey, welcome back, Roy Moran. Good to be back. Yeah. So you're like a. This is like the one year anniversary for your interview too. Oh our, really? Our podcast oh, is like just barely over a year old, and no, oh, cool. Congratulations, man. Yeah, we ran out of stuff, so we're just going back to the same people. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just evergreen that stuff. Just, you know, keep re- replaying it over and over. People are like, I feel like I heard this podcast before. Um, well, I'm glad you actually suggested that, Roy, because <laughs> I know. It, it's on a yearly, you know, calendar invite that you'll be getting. So we have mm. permission now. But it's cool to interview you, Roy, because you're in Kansas City. And I was I was going to say we don't get a lot of people from Kansas City, but the truth is that's our fault for not asking more people from Kansas City. True. And we, I mean, and we have. Yeah, we've we gotten have. plenty. But you're like, you're like the grandfather. I don't mean that in a way that you're old. Uh, I mean, you are old. You are. Don't get me wrong. You are old. But you're like the DMM uh, grandfather in Kansas City. Uh, like the old, old grandfather. Old, Easy. old, old. But like weirdly like tech savvy. Yeah, that's true. You're floating on this background right now. People can I know. see. You know, I, I, I could actually gloat a little bit. You know, I'm, I, I did wear the, the, uh, the Baylor attire mm. today. You know, so. Yeah, man. Congratulations on that. Hey, look at that hey. background. I do have another one. You know, that's even you know more gloating here to say. You know, hey, let's look at this. But you, need, you need me to pull up the Crimson Tide background. Oh my goodness. No, what? Because Brian is like most Alabama fans. He didn't go there. He just, you know, like <laughs> you actually went to Baylor. You can brag about Baylor. And for those of you who are, you know, listening to this and not watching it because you have no option to watch it, Roy just put a background of 2021 National NCAA Basketball Champions. So congratulations, Baylor, blah, 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 whatever. All yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely went to Alabama several times. I didn't attend school there, but uh, right. <laughs> hey, Roy, before we get going into some of the content that uh, also I was accepted there twice, by the way, it's just another school gave me more money to go there. So, you know, I made the wise financial decision anyway. Um, before we get into the content that Corey has sort of positioned us for today, I wanted to ask you about this guy, Damian Girk. Because I just mm-hmm. read this book in the way, and he's like, mm-hmm. you know, we we interviewed Roy, and we're telling the story of Shoal Creek. At least mm-hmm. it's early on in the book. They're like, we're we're gonna, you know, thanks to Roy Moran for allowing us mm-hmm. to tell the story. And you're like barely mentioned in the back. It's I was like I was expecting it to be like all through <laughs> this book. But anyway, we want to have him on soon. So um, yeah, what's your connection to him? What's the? Um, well, he's at at, at uh, One Body in Tampa. Um, just, you know, uh, had a chance early on, um, to connect with him. Uh, he, he actually went to Dallas seminary. So mm-hmm. we, we share that heritage in common, but we didn't know each other there and we connected. And then he asked me to, to work with him on some of the early parts, uh, early manuscript 
um, of the book. So I had a chance to, you know, read it early and give him some pointers and things like that. So, um, and then he is, his, uh, partner is Lee Wood. Right. Yeah. Great. And, guy. You know, Lee Wood is with in the 2414 North America stuff. So I know Lee, no Damien and those guys, and we hang out, you know, a bit. Um, so yeah. good guy. I thought really it was, good. uh, like, as I read that book, I didn't, I, it feels like our language. It feels like it mm-hmm. was, you know, I was reading the conversations that we have, but I thought it was one of the most like well done, cohesive sort of bring in some, you know, what was that? The forgotten ways with pagan Christianity, Mm -hmm. with DMM Mm -hmm. language. Mm -hmm. It was like, man, this is, this is a really helpful book for those that may be walking away from prevailing model uh, Mm -hmm. churches and dreaming about stepping into it. It's just a well done Mm -hmm. sort of overall I keep using big words or I'm trying, I ran out. So it's a good book. Yeah. <laughs> I like book. Yeah. I like yeah. book. <laughs> no, I, I, his, uh, his chapter on history, the history is, mm. is one of those like, uh, you know, distilled in such a, a, a short way, but yet such a concise and, 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 uh, complete way at the same right. time. Right. You right. Know? So yeah, that's, you, that's, you the book is worth it just for that chapter. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. I thought part three was really well done as well. If you're leading in a prevailing model and you're dreaming about how do we transition, how do we think through what's next, he gives some very practical options and next steps out of that that keep you from being unkind to the people that you lead. So, Exactly. Have you guys ever been yeah. in a, like a, a group project for school and clearly everyone else did the work, but you did not? I very much. I was the person that did the work, yeah. <laughs> and I was the person who did not. Which so a lot of uh, a lot of history is is bubbling up in my own mind right now. Of like I don't know yeah. what you guys are talking about, but you I feel want to... some shame here. You know, just no, kind of... no, no shame. No, no. No. Corey never feels shame. No, it's more like um, if anything, it's it's like a pride. It's like man, look at this. I'm gonna get the same grade as all these suckers. <laughs> <laughs> Or it's like what I always tell people, you know, I married this beautiful doctor. Um, you know, she was just, she wasn't even a med school or med student at the time, but it's like, who's smarter in the end, right? Is it the doctor or the one who married the doctor? So there's just, there's, there's ways. Um, but anyway, all of that to be said, transition, natural transition. Let me think. Let me think. I don't know how natural um, that was, but take it away. Uh, Roy is kind of like um, uh, a mad scientist uh, doctor type of guy uh actually that's a true story that once i i forget who i was talking to but they described you it's like roy he's kind of like the mad scientist um <laughs> and i think it was a compliment i, th- I, oh, I think and if it wasn't then i want to somehow repackage it as a compliment and say uh, roy moran the mad okay. mad scientist but right we are in a uh a once i say this almost every podcast we are in a series within a series and we are just talking about what stops. We're, we're not really sure what the bigger series is. Right. But now I have to keep saying it. When we say we're in a series within a series, we know we're going to talk about barriers to movement. But we we don't know what the bigger series is other than a year-long podcast so far. That's right. true. 
That is very <laughs> that is true at this point. Anyway, so we've got this series that's within a series uh, <laughs> that's talking about barriers to gospel movement. And uh, yeah, so we've talked about a handful of things from big picture to small picture. Um, and we thought, again, this would be a good kind of zoom out big picture one. Because uh, specifically, I mean, you you have an article. Um, I think it was if it was within like a Frontiers magazine or something. Yeah, right? Mission Frontiers magazine. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, and so it was a bunch of articles. I saw Jim Yost had one in there mm-hmm. with Jim. We got to get Jim on this podcast, dude. Jim's a good dude. Um, anyway, not. Th- I don't want to look ahead. I'm like, oh, Roy, we've already, we've already talked to this guy. <laughs> oh, dang, could have had Jim. Why <laughs> oh, didn't I think of Jim? No, I have his phone number if you need it. So right on. I'll, I'll probably steal that. Um, Anyway, and so uh, I saw that you had an article in particular on there, just um, just mm-hmm. basically some some things that we uh, like gen- general like big picture things that stop that that kill movement. Um, mm-hmm. And you, being the mad scientist, use fancy words in it, and um, and so I just want to quickly like summarize. You've got I think five things mm-hmm. that uh, five five isms that kind of stop movement basically are movement killers and so i just want to read these and i just want to like yeah open up the conversation and and hear your thoughts on some of these sure first one exceptionalism Mm -hmm. a dependency on individuals with exceptional passions enthusiasm temperament skills and gifts Mm -hmm. number two materialism the naive practice of allowing money into the wrong places in movements professionalism the inherent belief that the trained, qualified, or certified are more dependable than those who lack formal training. Mecha- uh, me- mechanicalism. mechanicalism. There you go. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a lot of syllables. Mechanicalism. A belief that movements are a matter of physical effort rather than spiritual power. Uh, parsh- partialism. You're bringing back some ancient heresy right there, right? Partialism. I know. I know. The practice of fusing several different movement strategies together. All right. So I'd love to be able to touch on all those. I think he just blew Corey circus. He like slowed this. Like, oh, all right. Yeah. That, that last that last one like caught me off guard a little bit. Basically, thought. Corey wanted to have you on this podcast because he read an article and was like, I don't know what this means. Uh, maybe you could explain it to me. Oh, oh so he, I'm going to have to read the article to him and explain it. Step by step, break this down. You could have read the article or you could be like me and just listen to the audio book. No, that's exactly yeah. right. And I mean, I mean, we got the author of said article right here. So, um, yeah, I mean, give me a little background of this particular, like, um, why'd you write this story behind it? How'd you even come up to, with some of these kind of general themes? And when he says, give me, he means us. No, I mean, I figured Brian could head out and <laughs> I got this from here. All right, go ahead. Well, uh, I was asked to write it actually. Um, and, um, you know, Mission Frontiers is always looking for for people to contribute, and so um, I, I I thought you know barriers and and typically in the um, the movement world um, I, I, I this is this sounds a bit pejorative, you know what that word means? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I shall make. I want to keep Corey with us here, Brian. You know, know. So. <laughs> what, what does pejorative mean? <laughs> Uh, it sounds a little, little haughty, a little, you know, conceited or whatever, but a lot of times I don't see a lot of creativity in the, in the, in the movement world. Um, there, there's a, maybe a, a misnomer that creativity and simplicity can't go together. 
Um, and, mm. and so uh, as I started thinking about this, instead of making a long laundry list, and I've seen long laundry lists too of you know, 12 or 15 or 18 things, barriers to movements and stuff like that. Yeah, Corey, I thought, Corey bragged about uh, how he came up with 23 so <laughs> anyway, you've seen, it wasn't go ahead, bragging. Go it was just, we should, you know, we three minute stop. brainstorm. Keep we going. should stop cutting them. So, off. Yeah, so I tried to organize them, you know, <laughs> under, um, a, an idea of having a taxonomy, that idea of, you know, a hierarchy there, there are, a, there are big categories. And then under each category, there are smaller things that contribute to the bigger category. Um, so that's what I, I did. And I, I uh, I used that virus hunter story to begin with in there to, you know, kind of give it some kind of intrigue. This like, you know, we, we ought to be looking for those viruses like this, um, this guy who dedicated his life, you know, for trying to get to these viruses before they get to us. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, I just, as I worked at it, I came up with these five categories and yeah. they're, they're artificial by, uh, any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, you know, you can argue with the categorization of them and, you know, it's maybe not complete. We could add more, all those kinds of things. Uh, but I just was trying to maybe draw a circle in a way to say, okay, there are five main things that we need to look out for. And each of those five things has a number of other things underneath it, uh, that, that fit into that category. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I mean, kind of like everything that we do with this podcast, we we're looking at movement principles, just uh, both in scripture and globally, and really kind of looking at it for through this lens of all right, America, Kansas City, uh, everyday disciple makers within our own networks, just trying to make this uh, both informative but also really practical for the everyday person yeah, here at KC. Yeah, so it is, it is a, an equipping. Uh, really, our, our desire is an equipping. Mm-hmm. podcast and that's why we we got this started and and uh so anyway so like let's go through those five categories okay. uh, if we have sure. time to go through all of them and this first one being this idea of, of exceptionalism you know mm-hmm. that we just depend on people who uh seem to have exceptional passions you know enthusiasm temperament skill and gifts of the words that you use uh, mm-hmm. why is that a barrier i mean both globally but also like let's let's tease that out in here in the states but just generally why is that a significant barrier in movement. Well, it's a barrier, not because that those, those people exist, but right. it's a barrier when we depend on those yeah. people. Um, and, and that we, uh, unfortunately allow those people to have such prominent roles that it casts a shadow or on the average ordinary person who may not be, um, similarly gifted or impassioned. Yeah. But if we're going to get to movement, so if you're going to get to four generations, you're going to get to 100 churches, you're going to have streams of, of, of multiplication, you're going to have to have strategies that can be executed by ordinary people. Right. And if your strategies can't be executed by ordinary people, um, then, then you've got a dependency there. And so you've got to find a bunch of those people. So we have a system of church right now that's that's really dependent on exceptional people Mm -hmm. even um we have in stratas of churches you know it's like the mega church for instance i mean uh why why is it that so many mega churches who are in transition right now or succession from one leader to the next have such a hard time Mm -hmm. it's because there are so few unicorns out there who can do what they do great speaking skills great leadership skills 
right. you know, have, have character uh, that, that create the, the kind of, of uh, followership of staff and, and stuff. They're just, they're not there. Yeah. So movements are built on ordinary people. And, and, and so we have to watch out for that exceptionalism. When I first, you know, 13 years ago, when I, I, I began to, to lean into this, you know, I, I'm thinking in my mind, I, I, I think like, um, you know, um, Brett Veach would have been thinking uh, this past week about what, who's my number one draft pick. You know, I, I want to get the, the really good athlete speed, size, agility, quickness. I want all of that, you know, and stuff like that. And so, you know, I, I we tend to think like that in, in Christianity. Yeah. And, and, and so uh, I was looking for people and one of the most prolific um, disciple makers was someone who I missed completely. Mm. She was a kindergarten teacher. Yeah. Um, and I have this email that I've kept over the years from her and she wrote me and and she said, you know, I grew up in Christianity. I grew up in church. Uh, my mom and dad took me to church. I, you know, all this kind of stuff. But for the first time, but for the first time, I feel like someone put me in the game and let me play Amen. and, and allowed me to be on the front lines and do what I feel like God has called me to do. You wouldn't pick her out of a lineup as a great leader. Um, she's a kindergarten teacher. She's just got all the qualities of a great kindergarten teacher. You know, she loves kids. She's gentle and kind and not forceful by any means and that kind of stuff. And just once wasn't someone, someone that I would be looking for out of my past mm -hmm. in, in terms of someone I wanted to lead. Yeah. And, and yet in, in a movement world and in inviting people into discovery and reading the Bible, Everyone who sat in her discovery groups always would say, I could do what she does Yep. because she'd have big personality. You know, she mm -hmm. didn't have a lot of knowledge. Mm -hmm. She didn't have a lot. Of, and so she multiplied easily uh, because of who she was. Yeah. And so, you know, exceptionalism um, is, is something that we get from from the prevailing model of Christianity. And as, as a result of it, it, it can be a cancer in movements and mm -hmm. it, it leaks in. Um, in, in a lot of ways, uh, especially when you see success in movement. So, you know, yeah. you begin to, to plant uh, discovery groups. And, and so now you've got 100 discovery groups and you, you got, you know, 12 churches beginning to form and, and you, you're trying to build a network of support around those people. Uh, it, it can creep in at that level. Yep. Because you start looking for people who are big and, and uh, maybe have a vocal skill, you know, they can speak or persuasive skills and all that kind of stuff. And, and unfortunately, you know, you, you may get at that level, but the next level could be damaged, yeah. you know, because you relied on exceptionalism to be able to make that happen. So you just have to keep in mind, I think there's a sensitivity to the spirit. Uh, there's a, a sensitivity to dependency. Uh, does this person regularly create dependency with the people around them? If they do, then, you know, that's an exceptionalism problem. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I'm trying to think through the practical side of this for people listening who are missionary leaders in the everyday spaces or even in a microchurch setting. Like you've seen something emerge. You're a spiritual parent of some sort. You've made disciples. You've catalyzed that. Like the practical next step, it, this isn't just at the network level or the, the higher church level. It's like all the way down to the everyday stuff. How do we mm -hmm. think through 
looking at the people within our extended spiritual family or those that seem to be moving in towards us and just immediately start giving things away. Mm. Uh, And I think that's like, to me, the practical step out of this is just sit down and journal a little bit of, you know, who are the people Jesus is already highlighting. And I was looking at a list we have uh, with another organization I work for is like, how do, how do we identify leaders who are ready? And there's like four C's and we intentionally didn't add competency to the list, mm-hmm. you know? So it's things like, uh, mm-hmm. charisma and character, you know, it's like there are other things besides competency cause we can train for competency. We can teach you to do things later. Mm-hmm. The problem is we often all look towards the competency, and like you're saying, we look for the people who are exceptionally competent in an area. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that comes from our Western hero culture as well. We mm-hmm. we want to, or celebrity culture, however you want to describe mm-hmm. that, we want to yep. elevate people. So yeah, this is about the, the everyday disciple makers. And I think yeah. that that one kind of rolls into this one. I'm going to skip one. We'll come back to it. That one kind of rolls into professionalism. Mm -hmm. So the definition that you've thrown there is the inherent belief that the trained, qualified, or certified are more dependable than those who lack formal training. Mm -hmm. So I can see how in some ways they are distinct. So maybe hit Mm -hmm. that first, how they're distinct. But I see how they're tied together as well. Like mm-hmm. in our Western churches, like well, you got to have a seminary degree, or you have to have so many years doing this before you can be at this level of leadership. So mm-hmm. let's talk about professionalism. Well, you know, we just live in a subject matter expert world, um, and as a result of that, the people who tend to to warehouse knowledge uh, more than other people, uh, tend to get elevated in everyone's eyes. And especially if they can, uh, warehouse that knowledge and have good verbal skills, then, you know, they've, they've got a, a real, um, uh, cultural leg up on everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I, I think, you know, that's what we've done in this world. Um, you know, we have a system that brings people through a theological educational system, trains them, uh, you know, warehouses that knowledge and, and trains them how to speak because the center of gravity, you know, in the prevailing model of church for, for everyone's uh, spiritual life is Sunday morning, you know, between nine and 12. Yeah. And, and so we, we need an all-star in that position to make this thing work. Mm. Um, and, and so that begins to bleed then. Uh, down through every level. And, and so, you know, that's the, that's your first round, you know, that's your starter right there. And then you know, your second string may teach Sunday school or may, may teach, you know, small groups or something like that. And so there's this, this sense. And so we, we tend to then make discipleship, uh, which is a word I'm allergic to. We tend to make discipleship uh, the idea of creating some kind of seminary light for people. You know, we, we want them to read theological books. We want them to put the right answers in the right blanks. Um, and, and as we teach them then to, to warehouse a little less knowledge, but still the same type of knowledge, you know, and, and stuff, then, you know, we elevate them into positions because they've got that knowledge warehoused and they got those lesser speaking skills. And so it just, it just sort of leaks down you know, from that. And we have all these boxes we want checked. Um, and, and the, you know, the boxes are different in every church, every, you know, every space you, you find yourself in, but, um, but yeah. there's this sense in which 
uh, it, once these boxes get checked, I'm certified, qualified, ordained, or whatever you want, might want to call it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I've even seen the trend when some of the places that I've seen momentum in the States that will have like, uh, we'll have someone get kind of, this is, oh, I hate saying this, but sucked up, um, by a, a, a different kind of church model because the, their gifting or their, uh, their fruitfulness and, you know, and so like, I, I totally get it. I also see how that totally stops movement and it's mm-hmm. like, and so we want to, we, it's like, man, yeah. I mean, some of those roles are good and, um, and that's fine. But yeah, it, if you really stop to think about the, the ordinary people multiplying themselves, well then, yeah, that's a barrier. And, uh, and we, we spent a couple episodes talking, um, about that, even the church structure as mm-hmm. a whole in America being a significant, um, movement barrier. So yeah. it, is it appropriate to ask, the question this way, like, how do we combat that? Like, what's a what's the reaction against that? If that is the case, and it's is stopping movement, and it seems so clear that it is, mm-hmm. uh, because the man, I I spent twelve years in a denominational system where there were a lot of really trained people that definitely were not exceptional, <laughs> but, but they were trained and ordained and then they were allowed yeah. to lead and things were dying because yeah. of this like assumption that they could lead just because they were trained to a certain level. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm trying to think through in my, in my own uh, network of relationships you know, this idea of more knowledge and more information has come up lately. And I keep going like, it's just like, let's keep working on hearing and obeying, you know? So I know from one angle, like that's how you combat it, but I don't know where the emphasis is. Combat it, combat it. Anyway. (laughs) Combat emphasis. I, I, you know, someone could have heard what I just said and, and thought that I was anti-knowledge. Um, and, and that, that, that would be legitimate, but the fact is, is it's not, it's not anti-knowledge. It's, it's the, the rate at which people can, can process that knowledge. Mm. Uh, And and, and so when we think about this for a moment, uh, the same thing happens, you know, in the physical world, Uh, you, you take in so many calories a day, and um, you then have a lifestyle that al- allows you to um, to expend a-, a certain number of calories. And, and when your intake and-, and your outtake don't equal one another, then all of a sudden you begin to get obese. Yeah. You know, your, your body lays off those other calories into your internal organs. And, and then ultimately, you know, externally you see it and all that kind of starts happening. Well, I think the same thing's true in the spiritual realm. When we take in more information than we can act on, yep. it, it begins to accumulate as, as fat accumulates in our body and, and it creates heaviness in us, a heaviness that exposes itself in self-righteousness, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know more than someone else yep. um, or uh, it, it uh, causes us to, to, um, use the acquisition of knowledge to be able to overcome some other things in our life. Maybe I've got a, uh, I'm struggling with pornography, you know, and instead of addressing the 
pornographic issue that just pops its head up every now and then in my life, I will just pursue more spiritual knowledge to make myself feel better about mm-hmm. knowing more about God, Jesus, the Bible, and those kind of things. So yeah. it, it, it comes down to, you know, just like you talked about, Brian, it's just like, it's a simple thing, you know, just read, hear from God, obey, share it, you know, and, 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 and when, when you're processing biblical truth that way, then you're processing in a way that you can use the spiritual calories you're taking in. You're building muscle, spiritual muscle, rather than, than just putting fat on by warehousing knowledge that you can't use mm. and, and doesn't have any real impact on your own spiritual journey. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're just, we're just fat people all around. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm like, you know, as you travel around the world and you like go somewhere else and then you come back, you're like, wow, yeah, we're fat. And I mean, and, and I imagine that it's probably easy to come up with that analogy that you just gave, because it's like the exact same way in the way that we approach discipleship and knowledge and obedience. Yeah, that's that's really that's powerful. All right. We got I think we've got time for one more. Let's unpack one more and then maybe we'll uh, <laughs> we'll bug you again because I know that you're not busy or anything. Uh, I, the one that's jumping out to me is the mechanicalism. Oh, that one wasn't jumping out. Ah, okay. What were you doing? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Mechanicalism. Yeah. Like that one sucks. No mechanicalism, a belief that movements are a matter of physical effort rather than spiritual power. Mm -hmm. Uh, preach it my brother what's this is this is a good one i'm glad that yeah let's let's end with this one today and we'll come back and we'll hit those other two and i'll tell you why i think this is an important one to end on after you talk for a little bit well it it relates in in some ways to uh when i first engaged the whole movement world um i thought i had a training problem Mm -hmm. and so i came back to shoal creek and I train people how to do discovery, how to invite their friends, neighbors, and workmates to the table, read the Bible together, hear, obey, and share. And, and so I, I thought it was a training problem. I, and I had a real mechanical mind, you know, in that sense to say, okay, we can fix this. Let's just train them differently. But the reality is, is I didn't have a training problem. I had a cultural problem. Mm-hmm. And, and so many people uh, see this, uh, you know, see what's happening in the world, they read miraculous movements, uh, they hear about Bushpuri movement and they, you know, Victor and all this, all this kind of stuff. And, and, and they think, oh, if we just do the things the way they do them, mm-hmm. um, then we will have what they have. Yeah. Um, now, um, the problem is, is, is it's not just about discovery. So many people think of disciple making movements is, is nothing more than discovery Bible study. Right. And so they, they put an equal sign in there and they realize that it's not, that's not it at all. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, people don't, don't really sort of come to grips with, uh, e- even, even prayer, people will say, you know, prayer starts movements. Well, I'm not sure that prayer starts movements because, you know, we, we live in a city, uh, that's had a prayer movement in it for 30 plus years. So we've, you know, IHOP started here, uh, all that kind of been a lot of prayer in Kansas city, but there's a chemistry that takes place in this process. Mm-hmm. And it's a chemistry that is, uh, not, not just, you know, people who, who have a dependency and submission to God and, and have his heart and have been captured by his heart, but people also have a, a passion for lost people Yeah, that they, they really do understand that what God wants is a family. Yeah. 
and and he, he there is a uh, a story after story after story in the Bible about God attempting to create a family. Yeah, at, at the heart of our Father is this uh, what I think is the organizing characteristic um, to the the Triune God is is generosity, mm. and, and so he, he they wanted to give away what they were experiencing with one another. They created us to be able to experience that. Yeah. And so there is a, uh, a, a spiritual aspect to this that deals with the heart um, and, and, and with a dependency on the spirit, listening to God, doing what he says. Um, there is a, a sense in which um, God starts movements when he wants to and, mm -hmm. and, and it's, it's up to him to do, do that. And so oftentimes people just think, and, you know, I think it's the basis of the question, why aren't there movements in North America? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you know, we've done the same training they've done over there and we've got people, you know, doing things here that they're doing there. Why aren't there movements here? And it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not sure we have the same heart they have. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm, I leave on, Saturday for West Africa, I'll be in Cote d'Ivoire and, and Sierra Leone. And, and, um, I mean, th th those people like Sierra Leone, I mean, they like pray like crazy, man. Yeah. It's like, you look at their prayer calendar and it's like, Holy smokes. But you also look at the amount of time they spend, spend amongst lost people. Mm -hmm. They have a heart to regather God's family. Yeah. And, and so it's not about discovery Bible study, you know, I mean, that, that's a, that's a piece of it that helps people get a face-to-face -face relationship with God, yeah. but it, it's far more than just, you know, this mechanistic type strategy or tactic that I can put into play. I just need to invite my neighbors to the table and read the Bible. Um, there's a sense of being captured by the heart of the father. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it's, it's like, uh, you, you know, you guys have kids and, and uh, you probably invariably been in a store someplace and you lose one of them. And you don't know where they are, you know, and, and then nothing matters in that moment yeah, until yeah. you find that kid. Yeah. I mean, nothing matters, not even your reputation yeah. um, as, as a, a, a fair minded, reasonable adult. You will be crazy mm -hmm. until you find that kid. Yeah. Wow. You know? and, 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 and for me, that is what's in the heart of the father. Yeah. He desperately wants to recollect his family. And, and as a result, when you catch that heart, um, it's not about the, the, the tactics, you know, that yeah. you can do, but, but those tactics take on a whole new life when you're animated, you know, by this father in heaven who just, you know, desperately wants to recollect the family and let that family experience the benefits of being sons and daughters and experience the joy of what it's like to join him in finding those not yet sons and daughters in his family. Mm. I'm so excited to blatantly steal that yeah. in all trainings I do. Cause yeah, we, we talk about the heart of the father. We talk about God's heart for people far from him. We also use the, use the analogy of family all the time and everything from micro churches to, yeah. But just that, that picture, because I know that feeling. When the, my turnaround and my kid's not there and you're like, ah, you know, like there's that, this is every, yeah, that, that is, that is beautiful. Yeah. Well, I, I said that last one, um, was, was important. Um, I don't even remember what it was. Um, <laughs> how did you word that one? 
mechanicalism. Mechanicalism, yeah. Yeah, yeah. a belief that movements are a matter of physical effort rather than spiritual power. So just in the space of we we can't strive hard enough to make movement happen. We can't work our way into movement. The Jesus gave them very clear directions. Just go to the upper room and wait there. Mm-hmm. And and it was almost like, well, how how will we know? Oh, you'll know. You you'll yeah. know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they give yeah. themselves to to prayer in that space. And yeah. when it was released, they knew um, for sure. Um, so anyway, this is the last recording. Uh, with Corey before we off him from the podcast. Um, oh, no, I'm just, Uh-oh. I'm just kidding. Uh, he is uh, leaving for sabbatical uh, yeah. for the next little bit. Mentally, I'm already there. I yeah. think you probably, yeah, you could probably tell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. So anyway, um, this should be a good couple of months for him to move out of uh, his sinful state of striving to make movement happen <laughs> in Kansas City and. Uh, just uh, really return to the heart of the Father so that he can, you know, be in this place where it's not motivated by striving and earning Jesus' love for him. Man, I, I, um, w- I wish all of that wasn't true. <laughs> it, would make, it would make this way funnier. No, the reason things are funny is because they're true. There's, a, there, there's, a, there's some truth. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. I'm not done. <laughs> What, what is oh, so important that I you need to change the off? subject of that? No, Turn his mic off. We're 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 wrapping up this podcast, and so if you're hearing this, or when you're hearing, not not if you're hearing this, clearly you're hearing this. When you're hearing this, Corey will be right in the middle of it. So I just ask you to um to just stop. Now, if you're driving, like we always assume you are, don't stop in the middle of the road. Uh, but just slow down, say a prayer for Corey, uh, just that he will receive exactly what Jesus wants for him in this season. Mm-hmm. And normally, Roy, we ask whoever we're interviewing just to like do a blessing over the underground. Uh, but today, I would ask you just to speak a blessing into Corey, uh, and then we'll let you go. So, All right. Yeah. We, you know, uh, Corey and I go way back. I remember talking him out of resigning from his uh, staff position <laughs> at his former church, you know, many times. <laughs> it worked. For, it worked for a couple of years. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It did. Uh, but in the, in his heart, um, there was a seed that wanted mm-hmm. to see the kingdom come. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Corey, I've always appreciated that, you know, uh, your life has been about answering the model prayer that Jesus taught us to bring heaven to earth. Yeah. You know, may it be on earth as it is in heaven. And uh, I uh, will take every opportunity to be around you and hang out with you because that is an infectious spirit that God has given you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I pray that that this next uh, six weeks will, will be uh, a time to nourish uh, that, to, uh, to uh, reshape it, and uh, to maybe add an exponential factor to it. Amen. So that as you you come back, um, there'll be a a, a different, better, uh, and just God's spirit will have grown in you um, mm-hmm. as a result of of taking some time away and, and being a part of that. So, Father, mm-hmm. I just pray that you would uh, make this uh, this time uh, of Corey's uh, sabbatical. You would make it a rich. Uh, you would make it quiet. Give him the ability to hit the mute button. 
help them find it, Father, first. Help them find the mute button mm-hmm. and, and then and then leave it off um, so that your voice is singularly the, the primary thing that he hears. And Father, we pray that you would refresh his soul, that there would be a sense of both cleansing and refreshing and mm-hmm. renewing that would come um, as a result of this intentional time of, of moving out of all of the activity and just focusing in on what you're nurturing inside of him. Thank you for him and the gift that he is to us. And Father, uh, we trust that, that as he comes back, uh, we, we look forward to being able to shout hallelujah mm-hmm. because of what you've done in his life. Amen. Father, Amen. we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Roy, thanks, man. Yeah, Appreciate it. Thank you. Welcome here. Mm. I was going to ask if we could interview you next week on those last two, but you'll be in West Africa. So later, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yep. All right. Good All right. deal. Hey, appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Blessings, bro. Right, See you. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Underground Podcast. We hope that it's either been an encouragement to you or that it's created a curiosity about what it means to live into a missionary mindset with an aim to make disciples and see the church emerge. If you're a missionary or a microchurch in Kansas City and you're looking for coaching or just belonging within a network, we'd love to connect with you so we can learn about what you are doing and how you are joining Jesus for gospel saturation in this city. If you're outside the Kansas City area and have questions about what it would mean to catalyze a disciple-making movement that leads to the emergence of microchurches in every network within your city, we'd love to connect with you as well and offer whatever resources might be helpful to you. You can find out more at kcunderground.com. Grace and peace, friends.